Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Whether you work for a B2B or a B2C company, when you stop working every day, you're also a consumer. And because of this, our behaviors as B2B buyers and customers are shaped by the experiences we have as consumers. Today, we're going to talk about how B2C expectations can influence B2B purchasing in a special episode brought to you by the Office of Experience, a design-driven, digital-first, vertically integrated, and collaborative agency that believes in the power of ideas and the strength of people. This will also be the first of a quarterly outlook on B2B e-commerce and what brands should be looking for out there. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Carlos Manalo and Stratton Chironi, co-CEOs of the Office of Experience. Stratton and Carlos, welcome to the show. Thanks. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Why don't we start by you each giving a little background on your roles and about the Office of Experience? Sure. I'll jump in. Uh, Stratton Sharoni. I'm co-CEO and co-founder of the Office of Experience. I've been working in the digital consultancy, brand, and user experience and experience design world for over 20 years with businesses and brands of all stripes, Fortune 50, down to mom and pops. And e-commerce is a really, really part part of what I, I love about our role in our company. Carlos, how about you? Yeah, similar type of experience. So uh, I grew up as a, an information architect, became a user experience architect, became a digital strategist, and I've served in both agencies, consultancies over the years, like Stratton, approximately over 20. And um, on the client side, I actually led up the UX efforts at Crate & Barrel for a number of years. And before we started the Office of Experience, led up the user experience group for Granger.com. So lots of B2C to B2B and everything in between there. And in terms of the company, you know, as you mentioned, Greg, we're a digital consultancy helping really ambitious companies level up their experiences and, and outperform their peers. We were founded in 2014, headquartered in Chicago, but you know, these days we're recruiting and working from all over the country. And our primary focus is B2B businesses across a whole bunch of different industries. Great, great. So the main topic we want to discuss today is what I introduced at the top of the show. So how customer experiences in B2C environments really influence and shape expectations in B2B e-commerce environments. So to start, why don't you define a little better what exactly we're talking about? You know, what are some of the disconnects that exist where B2B e-commerce has traditionally differed from B2C? Sure, I, I, I can help open with that. So 
B2B e-com, it's a lot of different industries that's been lumped into this umbrella that that you know, the industry calls B2B e-com. Yeah. I mean, it's everything from food distribution to, you know, maintenance repair and operations to factories to manufacturing. SaaS fintech is technically B2B as well. Right. So there's a lot of different components to that. So I just wanted to uh, normalize it. But in terms of what really makes it different from a user perspective, B2C is uh, more about the individual buy and B2B is more really about the group buy. It's a team sport. So I'll give you guys a real example. When a consumer buys gloves, they do it for fashion or warmth, right? There's a functional aspect to it and there's a a aesthetic aspect to that. They, They go on a hunt. B2B, when there's a buyer that requisitions gloves, it's to make, it's a team sport. It's to make sure their teams are safe need to make sure that there's inventory, different sizes, so that there's no stop work. And there's folk in that business who are going, are we getting the right pricing? Yeah. So it, it, that's the, the, the biggest delta between those two types of e-commerce. Consumers have wants or needs, whereas B2B and e-com, it's all about the needs of the organization breaks that into three things, you know, needs that they react to. So let's say assembly line goes down, needs that they have to plan for and manage. How do they get the uh, best pricing while managing the right level of inventory? And needs that help the uh, customers, the needle. How, how do they report on this? And why would this B2B e-com program be their first, if not only choice? So that's the biggest delta. And it's, it's around uh, types of buyers and, um, what they actually need out of that transaction. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So what are, what are some of the internal or operational challenges that may stand in the way of B2B brands moving more quickly? You know, we see a lot of movement in, in B2C innovation and, and things like that. What are, what are some of the things that stand in the way of B2B brands moving more quickly in, in some of these directions and how are leading brands overcoming them? Yeah, I, I can jump in here. You know, first, as Carlos mentioned, if you think about B2C, uh, you mentioned as as sort of innovators and leading the way, and you're absolutely right. I mean, they've had 25 years or more to perfect use cases in, in consumer buying online. And, and so the effectiveness there is, is really, really high, not only in nailing the use cases for a consumer tra- transaction online, but also the operations, the teams, the resources, the platforms, the tools, technologies behind the scenes to really operate a highly functioning commerce business unit in a B2C environment is very mature. These guys have had a long time to get it right. B2B, on the other hand, is you know still nascent. There is a lot that has to go into you know, operating a B2B business correctly, and that's because the complexity is so much more vast when you really think about it. Yeah. You know, the, the way that a person purchases is completely different. The way that you have to support the back end of that is really, really different and complex. You know, for example, you're not going to order a crane or a piece of industrial manufacturing equipment and have that, you know, shipping handled by the U.S. Postal Service, for example. Right, right. And there's a whole host of different things to consider between buyer types, employee, managers, procurement. And as operators and vendors, we just need to make sure that uh, they make great planning decisions and we help them move the needle. Operationally, spend management, approvals, reporting, business intelligence. Those are the kinds of things that 
that would come up in these conversations. And then from a funnel perspective, right? Top of funnel, yeah. as opposed to B2C, like the goal is usually to get more customers from a large organization transacting. Middle funnel, how do we build these habits so that they're buying more, buying more frequently? Bottom funnel, how do we give them the better business intelligence and data to move the needle so that, again, the, the e-commerce site is habituated. They, they come back to it every day again and again and again. So there, we could talk a whole host about a whole, whole bunch of other things, but uh, I, I would say that those would be the, the places to start. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. What, what are some of the areas then in B2C commerce that forward-thinking B2B brands are beginning to look at and, and to start to adopt, given, given that there's some challenges and the complexities completely agree that there's a lot more variance and there's a lot more nuance, I think, to the, to the B2B, as, as both of you mentioned. But you know, what are areas that can be and, and are being adopted by B2C commerce that, that some of those B2B leaders are, are starting, to, starting to adopt? Yeah. Yeah, I think this is one of the most interesting topics in our minds. And, you know, there's there's kind of this false notion that B2B purchases are conducted in kind of a corporate vacuum by, <laughs> you know, dehumanized entities like purchasing agents. Right. You know, and, and as we all know, it, the forward-thinking B2B brands recognize that the people purchasing their products are people first. You know, they're the same people standing next to them at a soccer game. They're the same people who go home and shop on Amazon, buy cars, and go to the Apple store, you know, which means they're, they're really being trained by B2C experiences all the time. And you know, here at OX, we believe that the art and science of experience design is about managing the intersection of expectation and reality. You know, if, you, if you think back to Domino's, the world didn't think it needed a pizza tracker until Domino's put it out there. Right. right? And now you can track a $13 pizza in real time from the oven to your doorstep. And those same kinds of expectations carry over to complex B2B purchases. If you can track a pizza order in real time, why can't you do that with a million dollar piece of equipment? And so the business case is huge. Yeah, and I'll, I'll build on that, at least in some of our B2B food clients, that's the number one thing that they constantly uh, get questioned about. And as opposed to where's my order, it's the where's my truck? <laughs> right, right. When is it going to get to get to the distribution center so I can pick it pick it up curbside? I mean, all of those same use cases are happening. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and I think this is where it's a it's a challenge, but it's also as you're both saying, it's an opportunity because we're learning. I think the some of the best innovations out there are not necessarily brand new things; they're things that are co opted from other areas uh, into into a brand new area and you know i think that's that's kind of what we're hitting on here and from several different in several different ways is b2c is such a rich area and uh, you know as 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 you said earlier it's uh, there's been innovations in b2c commerce for so long that uh you know it's it's kind of rich territory for b2 b2b to um to pick from right agreed Yep. You know, the recurring themes that we're hearing from our customers, Amazon and Google and uh, now Bing is setting the stage for what great search and search results look like. That's table stakes for, for these B2B organizations. Yeah. Content, you know, it, you got to have the good content out there. And uh, that's both on product or SKU level content and business intelligence. Like they expect these things. 
we used to call it one-page checkout, but now the the industry term for it is frictionless. If your checkout doesn't feel as fast or as responsive from a, a latency perspective as Amazon, guess what? You're going to have higher abandonment. That's the bar. Yeah. And then finally, you know, that new topic over the feels like the last two months, everything changed. A lot more customers are going, hey, how do we use this AI stuff in our B2B e-com? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and to, to because I did want to talk about that and and, and to, to go there, what role should or perhaps shouldn't AI play in, in B2B e-commerce? You know, what, what should, you know, there's a lot of different, AI isn't just one thing, it's just like B2B uh, buyers are not just one monolithic group, you know, AI, there's a lot of different categories of it, but you know, what should be more automated and rely on um, AI and ML and, and things like that? And what should remain more human? Yeah. Less accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I'd jump in and say, uh, let's start with what AI should not be. And, and I'd say that, you know, don't think of AI as a panacea or an elixir unto itself. It's not. Yeah. It, humans have been creating tools to extend our abilities since the dawn of time. And AI or, or digital intelligence is really, it's just another tool in a long journey of innovation that's designed to help us achieve something more, something more powerful, something more useful and effective, more effortlessly. So it's not going to do its 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 work for you. Um, certainly, it can help automate and accelerate. But the first thing to do is to not think it's just going to solve all your problems. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd add to that, right? Like, uh, there's an old term um, within uh, human factors engineering called "gigo," garbage in, garbage out. So the system is only as smart as the, what you put in into it. What's really changing is that it's a it's a new gigo, right? Garbage in, generative out. It's still just another tool set, like Stratton was saying. And then how does that apply in B2B e-commerce specifically? Well, front stage, you know, the presentation um, systems, the digital experiences, explicitly you can apply that to chat bots and then integrated in find, buy, manage or search, cross-sell, upsell, product data, all of the stuff that people are reviewing for their consideration set all of those things are could be AI augmented. Yeah. Backstage is where some of this really gets super interesting. There's um, predictive stuff. There's generative stuff. There's automative stuff. So from a content production standpoint, can you get product data out there 10 times faster than you would with uh, non-generative uh, systems? That's a great question. From an analytics perspective, so if you're reviewing... Your buying patterns month over month or year over year, can AI help you say, hey, look, you're probably going to want to replenish these three things and stop buying this and double down on this, right? Yeah. Finally, feature function um, development acceleration. I mean, there's AI out there now that actually helps coders cut down time by 3x in, in their repositories. It's amazing. Um, and then finally, uh, this has been going on for a while, but like, B2B e-commerce stores are an omni-channel proposition. There's a lot of places for AI to play in uh, orchestration around customer service, sales reps, uh, and the site and making sure everything is aligned. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no. So that you know, as as I was saying, there's there's a lot of different areas there, and I think to to not think about AI as just some monolithic thing either is is good because there may be some areas where an org is maybe they're they're not as advanced on the content production needs, but they have a huge need for backstage automation right. of you know of other things. So yeah, I th I think that's great. Before we continue, I'd like to introduce you to a sponsor of the show, Basecamp. Throughout my career, whether it was at my own agency or now as a consultant, Basecamp is what we rely on to help keep projects on track, on schedule, and on budget. It takes a straightforward approach to project management, it streamlines workflow management, and definitely keeps the team in the loop and on top of ongoing updates, which all are major components in a smooth running operation. No matter if it's a simple campaign or a multi-million dollar project, Basecamp has been a key ingredient in the recipe for a successful project and business. If you're struggling with projects, sign up for Basecamp. Their pricing is simple and they give you all their features in a single plan. No upsells, no upgrades. Go to Basecamp.com Agile, that's Basecamp.com A-G-I-L-E, and try Basecamp for free. No credit card required and cancel anytime. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. Now let's get back to the show. So to go back a little bit, what should B2B brands be prioritizing right now? This may include AI as well, but you know what, what should they be prioritizing right now that may not be top of mind, but as we talked about earlier, you know, in order to keep up with this this constant innovation and these other B2B leaders that are kind of co-opting ideas from B2C brands, what should be top of mind right now? I think the cleanest way to, to respond to that is there are a bunch of basics, you know, that you have to make sure you're doing and then a bunch of opportunities to help evolve it. Yeah, I can't be stressed enough. I mean, before we think about really advancing topics like artificial intelligence or machine learning or personalization, the complexities of a B2B e-commerce environment require that you really nail the basics first. You know, things like making sure you're optimized for speed, what you're looking to do to take advantage of any latency that you have in your in your systems, data cleanliness and taxonomy. All of these things have to be nailed because they're the backbone of everything else that you might advance in the future. You can't really talk about personalization if you don't have a clean data set. Content enrichment, making sure that all of your product content is as clean and as effective as possible. And so, sort of gelling your teams, making sure that all of your teams are in harmony against your customers' goals and really understanding those buyer journeys. You know, once you, once you really nail that kind of groundwork, then you can start to think about how you might layer on really effective additional components to the experience that might help you achieve your goals. Yeah, tactically, as Stratton was saying, personalization, better business intelligence, ongoing uh, conversion rate optimization on all portions of the, uh, of the funnel, top, middle, bottom. And I think what that all ladders up to when you, when you prioritize that is this theme of... Uh, enablement. Yeah, it's a it's a big theme for us that we work on with our clients. If you, if you think about it, you know, a B2B buyer is 65 or more percent down the funnel before they're willing to engage with a salesperson. 
Um, Self-education is the way of the world. The customer is in charge of when, how, and where they engage on any level. And time is really the most precious commodity. So in terms of adding value to the experience chain for e-commerce businesses, we really think that helping your customers self-enable and self-serve is critical. And, And doing that in a way that creates transparency, transparency in pricing, transparency in timing of shipping to delivery, transparency in decision-making chains. All of those things are very critical to success in a B2B e-commerce environment. Yeah. And I think that that self-service component, I mean, all all of those things, great, great ideas and great things to prioritize. I think the self-service component is probably the can be the most dissimilar between B2C and B2B. So in other words, you know, people are expecting that one-click Amazon purchase for, to your point earlier, that multi-million dollar piece of equipment that that they're purchasing. And, you know, granted, there's a lot of hurdles that that come in the way of of doing that, but that is the expectation. So the more you can do self-service, regardless of of what the product is, the more that's gonna feel good and and you know, just streamline and get repeat purchases and that's right. bigger purchases, all, all of that stuff that we talked about. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you think about it, you know, people think about consumer brands and, and particularly lifestyle brands, and we like to attach a lot of emotionality to it. You know, I buy a Patagonia vest and I feel like I'm a part of the outdoors and, and a mission to save the planet, things like that. And the false assumption is made that there's no emotion in B2B purchasing. And the reality is that there's a huge amount of emotion. It's just more correlated to risk. Yeah. And and so your ability to help a buyer manage risk, manage how they're reporting to their their superiors about the purchases that they've made is is key to servicing them emotionally. Yeah. Yeah, we just finished this customer journey project for another B2B customer. They had three personas, but fundamentally they all needed two things. Make my life easier and make me smarter. That was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, the last uh, topic that I wanted to talk about today is going to be a recurring theme this year on a quarterly series of episodes like this one brought to you by the Office of Experience. And so the topic we're going to talk about on this quarterly basis is the state of B2B e-commerce talked a bit about it already, but looking at it, I think in the snapshot, there's all kinds of things that can happen in the in the span of three months. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about this with you guys over the over the course of the year. So there's a certainly a lot of ways to potentially answer this question I'm about to ask. But from your experience working with a lot of top brands on B2B e-commerce strategy and initiatives, what should brands be paying attention to right now? We're in Q1 of 2023. Sure. There's three major things and we can unpack each. You got to focus on the fundamentals. You got to be ready for change and what's next. And you have to be obsessive about customer needs and insights so you can move the needle for them. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I realize you're asking the question here, Q1 of 2023, and everybody's mind and attention is on ChatGPT and the next right. iteration of Bing and probably wondering how those exciting technologies can advance their business. And those are all things you should be thinking about because they are going to have profound impact on our ability to get speed to market or modify things more effectively, increase SEO, whatever it might be. But, you know, starting with the customer is where we always begin. 
really understanding what that unique customer workflow needs to be, which is really the key difference. If you boil it all down, customer workflows and B2B are what really makes a difference. So starting with the customer and not making assumptions is what every brand needs to focus on. Yeah. Right. Fundamentals. There's four things I always say. Make sure you've got great inventory and availability. Make sure your data is as clean as possible or start those programs now. That's the backbone of these sites. This is a team sport is the next one. Omnichannel, the digital experience, the sales rep and CSR. You got to view it, view at that level and harmonizing people, processes and systems, getting them ready. This is the great work that uh, we're a big fan of that you're doing, Greg. Yeah. We got to we got to make sure everybody is ready for that because it's easy to bolt on fe- a feature or function, getting it adopted and working. Um, that's the other side of the coin. And finally, from a readiness perspective, as, as Stratton was saying, there's a lot of change afoot, which is great. When you're selecting a platform, considering you know microservices or out-of-the-box functionality, look for partners who can help you accelerate change against great measures. And you know, let's do the great work of advancing the mission. Let's serve the customers and let uh, and let's let's help move the needle for them. Yeah, wonderful, great great advice there. Well. Uh, Carlos and Stratton, thanks so much for joining the show. And, you know, I've got one last question before we wrap up here. You've given a lot of great advice already, took a brief look at at what to be thinking about right now as well. But what's what's your one piece of advice that you'd have for uh, B2B e-commerce brands as they navigate the months ahead? Sure. I, th- I think it's kind of kind of already stated, sa- stated it, but, you know, focus on the customer. Yeah. One, one and only, you know, focus on the customer because the experience that they have with you is your brand. Great. For me, it's, it's an amazing time to be alive. We're seeing things that we never expected happen this quickly. So with all the mature practices and massively leaps in potential of technology, I, I'd say, ask yourself this question. Are you ready? And if you're wondering how to get ready and how do you do a baseline, we're, we're here to help folks. So officeofexperience.com, hate to do a direct plug, but uh, you know, we're, we're super excited. We love this stuff. And I think we could make some great step change evolution for everybody. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Carlos Manalo and Stratton Sharoni, co-CEOs of the Office of Experience for joining the show. And Greg, thank you so much for having us as guests. Uh, Stratton and I are always ex- super excited about this and we, we love working with you and are a fan of the the, the mission that you have uh, in terms of this space. Yeah, thanks so much. It's, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure chatting. Yeah, absolutely. Always, always love talking with you guys and yeah, you're doing doing great work. Really appreciate it. And thanks again to the Office of Experience for sponsoring this special episode. You can learn more about Carlos Stratton and the Office of Experience by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L strom.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. 
From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.